Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. And we're going to study things that have to do with our character because many times it's not that our faith is not working, it's that our character is messed up. And if your character is messed up, then I guarantee it makes it hard for your faith to operate. The Lord gave me a little phrase years ago. It was, a, 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 you know, what righteousness dictates, uh, faith appropriates. What faith appropriates, grace is already provided. So you have to literally be walking in righteousness in order for faith to appropriate that which grace is already supplied. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of people that just, you know, they want a miracle from God, but they don't want God. Let me say that again. They want, a, they want a miracle. They want a breakthrough, but they don't want God. But you've got to understand it doesn't work that way. Now, there are, there are times in which God will do miraculous things for people, but it's literally Him trying to, trying to get you in to that which He's doing so you can dis- discover your own calling and destiny in your life. But there is a character that is produced out of faith. It's a submissive character. It's not rebellious. It's not subject to a lot of deception, a lot of things that the enemy tries to do to your mind. And it's so receptive to that which God desires to do that you're willing to go anywhere, do anything, give anything, be anything that God wants you to be because you know He loves you so much and has so much provision for you that you're just willing to give your life to Him. I've always said that when it comes to consecration because a lot of people have a hard time with consecration. You know, they, uh, uh, some, if you grew up uh, Pentecostal, if you grew up uh, some of the Baptist churches where they do rededication services. Anybody grow up like that? I did. Uh, at kids camp. I was, uh, I was in the rededication line every night. I mean, you know, you go to kids camp with a pack of Winstons in your back pocket and, and you rededicate on Sunday night and go out behind the deal and smoke a Winston, then you got to rededicate on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And then when you get back to church on Sunday morning, you got to rededicate again. Everybody know what I'm talking about. But listen, I found the cure. How many want the cure? Quit rededicating. Give your life to the Lord. God didn't make a consecration or a commitment to, towards you. He gave you His life and He's worthy to receive yours. Just give Him your life and I guarantee you won't have to struggle with that anymore. Amen? Now, in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, hallelujah, everybody knows this story. And let me say also, be sure and get you one of those CDs. Those are so cool. Lee and I put one on and we were, uh, you know, I think she listened to it at one time, I had another. We were dancing and crying and, and having such a good time. Everybody say ukulele. How many know what that word means? It means jumping flea. <laughs> you say, what is, how, what are you, jumping flea? When the, when the, when the uh, what do they call the, 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 the Mexican cowboys? The, uh, when the vaqueros came to the big island, in the 1800s to work cattle. They had a way of playing their guitars that looked like a flea jumping on the strings. So the Hawaiians, with their little guitar, they made that look, called it a jumping flea. So now you've had a history lesson. Amen? (laughs) When you've been to Hawaii 22 times, you learn these things. Now, verse 1, 1 Samuel 17, says, Now the Philistines gathered together in their armies, we're gathered together at Shekoah, uh, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shekoah and Azrikah in Ephraim Damanimim. How do you say that? That's a tough one for me. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Eli. 
set themselves in battle array against the Philistines, and the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, Israel on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of uh, brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs, a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. Now listen, this was an awesome sight. Uh, 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 Depending on who you read after, this individual was anywhere between uh, 9 foot and 11 foot tall. Boy, the NBA would have loved him. This was a big old enemy of God. Now, I don't know about you, but every one of us in our walk of faith will run up against a Goliath. In ministry, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your finances, there's always going to be a Goliath that's going to dress up in front of you, that's going to rise up in front of you and keep you out of what God has for you in your life. Now, notice the detail that was given to us of this enemy. It's amazing how detailed the enemy can be with his attack against you. I mean, if it's physical, it's amazing. I mean, the doctors will give you 25 pages. Then you get on the internet, you get 25 more pages. You go down to the drugstore and you get a CD and you put it in and there's 25 more pages. And it gets so detailed and you get all this information. I'm telling you, you need to to make sure that you're getting more information from the Word of God because you can get overwhelmed by negative information. Now, let me just, we'll say this several times, and this may help you. (coughs) Excuse me. Faith is not the denial that there is a problem. The fact is there may be a giant after you, a giant of, of diabetes or cancer, arthritis or debt or whatever it may be. The fact is there he is. The truth is you're an overcomer. Faith is not denying the facts. Faith is applying the victory of the Word of God to the facts so that you can enjoy that which God has given us in Christ. I've heard that said. I don't know where they get this. And whoever they is can be who they are. But those that are always tearing up the faith message, word of faith, they're always saying, well, those faith people are just in denial. They just deny. They just deny there's any problem. They've never listened to any of the teachers I've listened to. They've never listened to Brother Hagen or Brother Copeland or Charles Capps or Brother Osteen. Or, or, they've always talked about, listen, we're not denying there's a problem. We're applying the Word of God to it. See, some people just make it up as they go. But you've got to understand, no matter what you're facing, no matter how big that giant may be, there is an answer. And you've either got your eyes on the giant or your eyes on the answer. Now, notice what this, this giant was doing. It says in verse, in verse 8, He stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, uh, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day, Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, first of all, the challenge was not a legitimate challenge. This this giant knew there's no giants in Israel. There ain't nobody bigger than me. There's nobody stronger than me. 
And so it was really easy for him to go out there and mock him and, and give that kind of a challenge. Amen. And Saul at that time had gotten himself in trouble. He'd gotten himself in sin. He's not walking in his covenant. And of course, anytime you got somebody who's a leader that's not walking in the covenant, then everybody behind them falls into the same unbelief. And so when this giant rose up and began to display himself and begin to give his own report, instead of acting in faith and saying, well, who are you? I mean, we're the children of God. Instead of rising up and doing what their covenant demanded, the Bible says they were afraid and greatly dismayed. Amen. Amen. Now notice the next verse here in verse, verse 12. Now David, everybody say David, David, was the son of that Ephraim out of Bethlehem, Judea, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And there were three eldest sons of Jesse. The three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of the three sons that went to the battle were Elam, the firstborn, the next unto him Abinadad, and then the third Shammah. Now notice this. And David was the youngest, and the three older, or the three eldest, followed Saul. Now, there's a family issue here. Amen. You say, what do you mean? In the, in the, in the chapter before, there had been a visit to the house of Jesse by a prophet. And a prophet came in, and he was called by God, his name was Samuel, to anoint a new king in Israel. And all these guys were there. Jesse was there and his eight sons. And the prophet started with, with Elam and he said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. And God said no. And he went to Abinadad and God said no. And he went to Shammah and God said no. And he had to go through a process of elimination. And he got to the last son and he says, Is this it? And he says, Well, the youngest. Now the youngest son in a Hebrew or Jewish family back in those days was basically just a little higher than the help. That's basically all he was. Kind of like the guy that oversaw, you know, oversaw the help. But he was never invited to the, to the grand ceremonies. Notice David wasn't even invited to this great banquet in which Samuel was at. But then a problem arose. He said, Jesse, you got any other sons? He said, yeah, we got one more. He's out with the sheep. Everybody say, the sheep. And the Bible said that God didn't look on the outward appearance. God looked upon the heart. So with all those strapping young men lined up there, none of them had the heart, but the one out with the sheep had the heart. So he came in and Samuel took that, that vial of anointing oil and held it over him and that thing popped open and began to flow out over David. Now there stood David, not in his Sunday best clothes, not in his Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, but in his sheep herding clothes with all of the anointing oil of the king on him. Amen. Now notice, he said, David was the youngest. Verse 17, and Jesse said unto David. Now, after that David was anointed king, some way Saul found out about David not being anointed king, but that he was a, a master at, at singing psalms and, and, and playing on the harp. And Saul had gotten into so much trouble that an evil spirit tormented him. So he called for David, and the Bible says, I studied this last night, the Bible says of Saul that Saul loved him greatly. He loved him greatly. And the Bible says, as David would play and worship the Lord, that Saul would be refreshed and the evil spirit would leave him. Amen. So David had, not only was David chosen to be king, David was anointed. He was an anointed psalmist. Now notice, 
It says here, and Jesse said unto David, Jesse, that's his parental authority. That's his father. Now, what's amazing, oh, well, I'll read it here. What's amazing, and Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephath of parched corn, these 10 loaves run to the camp, salute the brethren, carry these 10 cheeses to the camp, to their thousands, and look how the, how the brethren fare and take their pledge. You know what that word, that phrase, take their pledge, ask them what you can do for them. Now, wait a minute. Wait a second, Pop. Remember the other day? When Samuel came? And they, they, they're talking about king. And it didn't happen for Elam and Shem and Benadad, but it happened for me. Now, the word tells us, we'll, we'll see it in just a moment, that David had left Saul's court. Because while David was, David was called by Saul to come and live in the palace and, and, and perform uh, as the minstrel and psalmist that would relieve him of a demon spirit. And when the, uh, this Philistine insurrection began, all of Saul and all of the armies got up and took off and went to the battle. Now this would have afforded David a real opportunity. Amen. You say, what do you mean an opportunity? He could have sat around the palace, eating the king's food, chasing the king's maids, doing everything he desired and wanted to do, and just kind of took it easy. But instead, he left Saul's court and went back to his father's house to tend sheep. You know, I was meditating on this last night. I thought to myself, you know, when he cruised up there to Saul's palace, I bet you, I just bet you, that he came in there and, you know, he probably had his best clothes on, but he still looked like a shepherd boy. And I bet you Saul dressed him up to look like he was part of the staff of the king. Don't you think he did? And I bet you he had better clothes, better stuff. He might even got him a better harp than he had. I mean, he would have, ain't no telling what Saul did for him. But instead of fat catting around the palace, he did what was righteously responsible. Now we're going we're gonna to get deeper into this on our Wednesday night services, but let me say something. A lot of times faith does not work for people because righteousness is a force on the inside of us. Jesus, when he was baptized by Jordan, uh, John in the Jordan, when John said, no, don't, 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 don't let me baptize you, baptize me. Jesus said, no, thus becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Now let me say something. Because, you know, we, we, we live in a time in which the trends in churches like this is very alarming. We're one C, one, one Sunday, because I knew what this Sunday was going to be. I'm, I'm no dummy. I've pastored long enough. One Sunday, like an Easter Sunday, we're putting out chairs. But on the next Sunday, we have a hundred or more seats open. And the reason faith does not work for some people is they're not fulfilling the righteousness on the inside of them because righteousness takes responsibility. It says you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to the Word of God. You have a responsibility to pray and grow in the things of God. You have, a you have a responsibility to the house of God and anyone that takes their responsibility serious. Now, now I'm preaching to the choir here because you're at church. Sure, it would have been easy to lay up in bed. Sure, man, on a cloudy morning when it's kind of drizzly rain. Oh, come on. 
I call that those narcotic mornings. You don't need to smoke or drink anything. You can just lay there, you know, just kind of. I got a big fat weenie dog that lays right next to me and keeps me real warm. <laughs> and it makes it real easy to be lazy. But I have a responsibility. I get up early in the morning on Sunday. I pray, I intercede, I look over notes, I do all kinds of stuff. I get ready to come and perform my responsibility to Island Church. I fulfill my righteousness. Did you know faith is strongest in the routine of our lives? Faith is the strongest in that which we commit ourselves to, to make a decision to serve God in and through. That's where faith grows. That's where faith gets strong. You say, well, because God is a faithful God and He rewards faithfulness. You can, you can be kind of like me. You say, what do you mean? Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm not, I wasn't the sharpest. I mean, I was a solid, solid D plus C minus student. <laughs> solid. Amen. I mean, my, my, my most, my most Terrifying days in school were failing slip days because I got stacks of them. And you know, my parents say, you just don't apply yourself. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't, you know. Thank God when I got right with God, I obeyed God and submitted my mind to the Lord and, and got academic excellence awards in the Bible school I went to. But I just wasn't responsible. I was just, hey, you know, school, you know, whatever. Didn't make no big deal to me. But you have to understand when it comes to serving God, your consecration and your commitment and your submission, those things that are strong. Listen, this is the thing that promoted David in the midst of a giant rising up and challenging Israel and wanting to bring all of Israel into slavery. David rose up in the midst and got the victory. Why did he get it? Why didn't Saul get it? Why did one of the brothers get it? Because they did not have faith. Faith wasn't there. Now, let's look a little further. It says, Now Saul and all of the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper. Everybody say responsibility. You don't just run off. You don't just run off. You leave the sheep with a keeper. It says he took and went as Jesse commanded him, as Jesse commanded him, as Jesse commanded him. It's not God booming out of the heavens. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt go down and fight the giant. It wasn't Samuel laying his hands and prophesying. Thus saith the Lord. It was just David in submission to natural authority. And it gives him direction and, and, and permission to go to the battle. Boy, I'm telling you, let me just say something. When you got permission to fight a giant, your giant's fixing to go down. And God's wanting to give people permission. Amen? He took and went as Jesse commanded. He came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight. Combat was taking place and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array against army against army. That means there's actually combat. The battle's going on. David did what? Left his carriage in the hand of a keeper. There's responsibility again. I mean, he rushes into the excitement of a battle. Swords and spears and, and man, you can imagine what that must have been like. And the excitement of it, he, for, he could have forgot. Hey, I'm driving daddy's truck. 
This is, this is daddy's truck. This belongs to the, to the ranch. This belongs to the farm. This is mine. I better, I better do something with it. Man, if I, get, if I park it in the, in the wrong place, these two armies come together on daddy's carriage, it's, it's going to get tore up. And I, that, that's my responsibility. Oh, nobody's shouting on this one, is it? You'll get to shouting. Amen. You see these things, your faith will work. And he ran into the army and came and saluted his brother. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Now those are the words that we read earlier when, 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 when Goliath came up and said, give me a man that I can fight, and if I defeat them, we'll be your slaves or servants. If they defeat us, we'll be your slaves. Now David heard them. Remember I say, David heard them. Same words. And all the men of Israel, this is verse 24, and when they, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel he has come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give, his daughter, will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That means you don't have to pay taxes. Woo! I'm looking for giants. Amen. And David spoke to the men that stood by and said, What? What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? This is a reproach. Anything that stands in the way of a move of God in, our, in your life personally or in our, in, our, in our corporate effort as a church is a reproach. $5 million, a piece of land, it does not matter. Sickness and disease in your body, problems with your finances. It rises up as a giant of reproach mocking you. Where is your God? Come on. Where is your God? This God you talk about. This faith God. This one that prospers. This one that heals bodies. Where is your God? Look at yourself now. I'll tell you, sometimes you just got to take it for what it is. Make a decision. This ain't, this ain't going to happen to me. Amen. Take it away with the reproach from Israel. Now listen to that. I love this next phrase. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Finally, the word is out. Uncircumcised, uncovenanted, a man that has no connection to God who is he? I don't care if he's 11 foot or 111 feet. Who is he? I'm telling you, you've got to make that. You've got to say, what is this foul doctor's report I've gotten? What is this definite deficit in my finances? Bless God, I'm a tither. I'm an offer. I give unto God. What is this deficit in my finances? You lying devil, you. You've got to get your righteous indignation stirred up on the inside of you. Some of you, you, you've let the devil slap you around in your body, slap you around in your finances, slap you around mentally, slap your family around. It's time for you to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, this ain't going on in my life any longer. I tell you, you got to get bold. I said, you got to get bold. The devil, he'll try you out. Mm-mm-mm. And the people, verse 27, answered him, after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Now notice verse 20, 28. And Elab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake against the men, 
when he spoke against, and Elam, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Elam's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. Now let me just say, let me stop right there. The observation of you and of me and of people of like precious faith, from people who stand aloof and outside in doubt and unbelief is this. Because I'm telling you, it gets back to me all the time. People say it. Those people are so arrogant, prideful, full of themselves. Say what? And what I'm amazed by is people that make those types of accusations are not willing to face the giant. Now, if Edom was on his way to fight Goliath, okay, Edom, that's okay. Pick at your little brother. Go ahead. Amen? I mean, if he's walking up the hill, say, I'll take this, I'll take him out. I thank God. Somebody said he's uncircumcised. Bless God. We got a covenant with God. I'm taking him out and, and I'll deal with you later, David. You know, you're, you're full of pride. The naughty. Who'd you leave them sheep with? I'll be back in a minute. That's fine. We got you. We got you, Elam. We got you. Amen? But no, just the opposite. He's cowering with everybody else. He's sore afraid. And here comes David and he makes a couple of statements of faith challenging this giant and automatically there's opposition. I'm telling you, there's going to be opposition. We walk into that beautiful new building, not everybody's going to be shouting. Come on, church. We do what God tells us to do. I tell you, people drive by and see all the cars in our parking lot here. And Somebody made a statement uh, about Sunday morning, all the cars that park like that and all this kind of stuff. And it's amazing how before Dollar Store got here, people were, you know, they didn't say much. It was kind of a, kind of a you know, cool thing. Oh, look at all those cars. But now we're, we're hurting somebody's business. But if we weren't here, they'd be robbed every week. Come on, church. Thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> now, I'll close with this. My time's up. We'll pick this up next week. Notice this. Verse 29. David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Everybody say, Is there not a cause? Now, now I'm going to kind of go backwards into this. Well, Pastor, why, why? I mean, we're comfortable here. This building's not filled up today. Last week, okay, I'll give you that. You know, I, I judge crowds. I've learned over the years how to judge crowds by a, a number system that I invented because I keep a journal of services, crowds, stuff that happens, all that kind of stuff. But you must understand, you don't build for what you have. You build for your vision. And the greatest cause that we have is the cause of Christ. Jesus died so that the lost could be saved. And when you maximize your potential in one particular place, God moves you to another place in order to pick up a brand new potential to reach the lost who are dying and going to hell. Is there not a cause? 
Not only that, God wants to bless and increase us financially because we have been obedient to His Word to tithe and offer the church and to sow millions of dollars into the world. He has to give us a place to receive that. Is there not a cause? Not only that, God wants to run all of that through the families and lives and businesses of everybody here. Is there not a cause? Not only that, there are sicknesses and diseases and all kinds of evil things upon the earth that want to take you out, harm you and hurt you. But God gives us a sanctuary, a place of faith, a place of protection and a way of protection that the world cannot encroach to, encroach into. Is there not a cause? And as far as David would go, if I was standing there with David, I would have encouraged him to say this. What about mom and dad? You want them to be slaves? What about our sisters? What about your daughters? You want the Philistine men to have their way with your daughters? You say, what, what, what point are you trying to make with that, Pastor? That's kind of lewd and rude. What it means is the devil will have his way with your family. The devil will have his way with your health. He'll have his way with your finances. He'll do anything he can do to snuff out the move of God. He'll do anything he can do to do it. And there is a cause to rise up in the righteousness, the integrity, and the character of faith and stand face to face with a giant and say, you're going down. You're going down. You're not going to hinder us. You're not going to stop us. You're not, we're not going to be your slaves. You're going to be our slave. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lift your hands. Worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Father, for a new boldness coming to our hearts. For that which we contend for in the faith. And the giants that stand against us, that try to raise themselves up and tell us that we can't do it we stand boldly in front of them and say, we are going to demonstrate your defeat. 2,000 years ago, our glorious Lord and Savior defeated you, spoiled you, made a show of you openly, and because of that, we stand victorious in this place today. In our bodies, in our finances, in our businesses, at our jobs, in our marriages, and corporately, in Island Church. In Jesus' name, who are these uncircumcised Philistines that they should defy the armies of the living God? Hallelujah. Now let me say this real quick. I feel, feel led of the Spirit to say this. Story of the prodigal son over Luke chapter 15. The, the younger son started out with a give me attitude. Give me, give me, give me. But all of his give me Got him in trouble. Ended up in a pig pen. But then he made this statement. I'm going to return to my father. I've sinned before heaven and before him. I'm not worthy to be called his son. I'm going to go back and repent and ask him to make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, just that simple heart change from give me to make me showed or revealed the father's heart. When he came up that path returning to the father's house, the father lit off the porch and begin to run toward him. And mercy was granted. And he called for a clean robe. And he called for a fatted calf. And he called for a signet ring. And he called for beautiful shoes to be put on his feet. All of those are types. We'll teach on that later. But the point I want to make is this. Whenever you get away from God, whenever you break fellowship, 
It's when you have a heart change in return that you literally discover the mercy of your Heavenly Father, which is an unmeasurable force that could cause great blessing to come back into your life. And it can, listen, it can be better than it was. Everybody say this, I'm going to get right. I'm going to be right. I'm going to stay right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, we have church on Wednesday night. Prayer 6.30. Uh, 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 church starts at 7.30. Prayer on Saturdays. We've been having some wonderful prayer meetings. Be sure and come to those. And next week is Mission Sunday. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your life, your power, your anointing is so awesome. Thank you today as we leave. We claim and lay hold of Psalms 91. Declaring through our own confession of faith. There shall no evil befall us. Shall no plague come to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Lord, we know that there are many that are traveling today that have called and contacted, said they couldn't be in service. There are different things going on, continuing education, uh, events with their family. Father, we lift them up in this prayer as they travel back to, to our community. No accidents of any kind. No delays in travel. Whether we're on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, we declare in Jesus' name they're protected and safe. Lord, as we go back to work the first of the week on Monday, the resource that you've granted us, thank you, Heavenly Father. No accidents, no trauma, no terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself, we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Stir our hearts, Lord. Let the righteous faith on the inside of us step boldly through the open door of utterance. Let us this week be an answer to somebody's prayer, a problem to the adversary. Let us be a miracle in someone's life as we present them with the words of life, the words of love, the words of health, the words of blessing. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. Oh, we thank you that you love us so much. We walk today in love toward one another. Thank you for Island Church. We leave today as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.